may be seated for the Passion History reading. We continue our reading from the Gospel of St. Matthew of our Lord's Passion, recorded in the 26th chapter, beginning with verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And so said all the disciples. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Here ends our reading.
We hear again a portion of our reading for tonight that will serve as the basis for our sermon from Matthew 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Tonight I'm going to ask you to use your imagination a little bit as we begin and use an analogy, if you will. Imagine three young boys from the same family who are heading off to summer camp. And as they leave to go to this summer camp, one of the little boys is feeling very sad. And he's also very prone to homesickness. But on top of that, his mother is, has a surgery that's coming up, a very serious surgery. He's concerned about her. Recently, he has disobeyed her pretty blatantly and openly and so when he left the last time he saw her things did not seem so great and he's now feeling very down and very alone and very sad as he goes off to camp the mother's very well aware of this and so she decides to write a letter to all three of her boys expressing her love and care and concern for them and how they're in her prayers and so on and so she mails that letter off and they get the letter and receive it. But the mother is well aware of the fact that her little boy is especially troubled right now and feeling homesick and probably questioning her love for him and so on. And so she decides to bake his favorite cookies and make a box of treats for him. It just so happens that another person is from their community is going down to this camp and she gives it to this neighbor and says, would you please make sure to deliver this to my son? And I want you to bring it to him especially and let him know that I'm thinking about him and I love him and I look forward to him coming back. Now all three of those boys have received the mother's letters and expressing her love and so on. But when that neighbor shows up with that special box for this little boy, and he opens it up and realizes how thoughtful this all was of his mother and conveys to that little boy her special thoughts. That is the same love that was expressed in the letters, but it just reaches him and touches his heart in a slightly different way. It kind of resonates with him in a little bit different way. Let's come out of our analogy. Your gracious, loving God knows that there are things in your conscience that bother you and things that maybe make you concerned about what he thinks of you. He's well aware of the fact that there are things in your life and things that are sitting on your conscience right now that may make you even a little bit scared of Judgment Day, that may make you concerned about having to face God someday in that very intimidating thought 
of standing before him in judgment day. Now he has made sure through various letters that he has sent to you through the scriptures, through the writings of the apostles. He has made his love and forgiveness known to you. He has told you of that. You've heard these letters read to you over and over and over again throughout your life, but you still have this uncertainty oftentimes inside. You still sometimes can be struck with guilt about all of this. And so the very night before your Lord Jesus is about to go to the cross, and we, we just heard the, the kind of weight that is on him. He's even pleading with his father that if there's another way for our sins to be paid for, that, that God would relieve him of that. He's willing to drink this cup, he says, but if there's still another way to, to not have to deal with that, he, he pleads with God that, that this would be taken away from him. And think, think what Jesus knows is coming. His omniscience is well aware of, of the very plan and the plot that's ahead for him in the hours right ahead of all of this. And yet the very, the very night that he has his final meal with his disciples before he is going off to his execution, and crucifixion is a vicious way to die. And on top of that, to be feeling the burden of guilt for all the sins of the world, to know that the, the experience of hell is waiting for him. Who's on his mind and heart? You are. He's thinking about you. And he, he chooses to establish and set up this, this very wonderful special meal that will convey to you the fact that everything he's about to do is just for you, is just to pay for your sins and to make sure that you feel secure in that and know that. This is for you, he says to his disciples. And through the blessing of his word, using regular wine and regular bread that's in front of him from the Passover meal, the leftovers from that meal, through the blessing of his powerful word, the very word that created the world, the very word that created your body, through that powerful word, he now puts himself, his own body and blood, into this bread and wine and now gives you this very special meal for you to receive to know that you are forgiven. And he, he sends a special envoy, a special messenger, those in the public ministry who are to bring this to you and stand in front of you in, on his behalf and to, to administer to you this very special, unique meal and to feed you with the body and blood of your Savior. He doesn't just give you a picture about himself. Those are fine. But he gives you himself. He doesn't just tell you that you should be reminded of his grace. He puts his grace on your tongue. He doesn't simply tell you to think about the remission of sins that he has won for you. That's fine. But he wants you to taste it. He wants it to be personally in your mouth that you know. In fact, the very thing he uses to buy your entrance into heaven is now put on your tongue when you come to eat that meal. It's the same love that's been expressed to you in the letters that God has sent. But this is in a much more personal way. It's in a way that you can't possibly walk away from receiving his supper and say, I'm not so sure if God has forgiven me. I'm not so sure if I'm really his child heading for heaven. 
A great theologian by the name of Herman Sasse said this, God doesn't send you wandering around the gates of heaven trying to look for Christ. He has taken his Christ and put him in bread and wine through his word and puts it right on your mouth here in your life on the earth. Now, really think what's taking place when we, when we think about the Lord's Supper, when we're blessed to receive that. Just think what's really taking place. You know, we, we, just, we just landed a little robot on Mars. We just went nuts. Our, our media went nuts, and rightly so. It's, a, it's an amazing thing that this little robot lands on Mars. It took years to get there. It's sending back pictures. It's just fascinating. But think what a tiny little itty-bitty bit of the universe that really is. And we get so excited to see that little bit. God, our Father in heaven, is the one who has created all things. Christ himself is the very word that caused the entire universe, things we'll never be able to explore, to be created and put into motion. That very God has decided to become like you and me, except without sin. Come into this world, suffer and die, and then he takes his own powerful word and puts it into bread and wine and he brings it and puts it on your tongue and says, I want you to know you belong to me and your sins are forgiven and you have heaven waiting for you. It's just, it's just an absolutely amazing blessing from God. And Jesus says to his disciples that night, he's not going to eat this meal with them again until he eats it with them in a new way in heaven, at the Feast of Salvation. So every time you take the Lord's Supper, it's not only conveying to you very personally that your sins are forgiven, your, your entrance to heaven's been all paid for and all of that, but it also should cause you to look ahead and say, the next time I get to eat this with Christ in my presence will be in heaven, and that's the way he has planned it. And every time we eat and receive this meal, we are proclaiming to the world the Lord's death and how important it is for us until he finally comes again. May God give us hearts of faith to appreciate this wonderful treasure. Amen.
God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works proceed. Give your servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended by you from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. 